Welcome to Life Church. We are an ex 242 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through His Word and by His Spirit. I think um, as we step into this new term together, my heart for Life Church, for us as a community, is that um, in whatever sphere of life we're in, whether you find yourself as a, a mum or a dad or a single mum or a single dad or a grandparent, um, you know, whether you find yourself in a new place of work or in a season of finding you have more time because you're retired now, you know, kids are moving on into different kind of schools and stuff. We're all in different seasons. And I think the thing that I really want for all of us to continue to, to discover is the, the two things that our, I want us to discover what it is corporately that God wants us to do as a church across Warrington. Some exciting things planned for next year. Um, we've got J. John coming to Warrington in March to do an event at the Par Hall. And then next September, we really do want to blitz the town with some Jesus, good news, the church is here literature and courses and stuff so there's some good things happening but more than that is I want you to know what it is that God wants you to do in your everyday and uh, you know your everyday is whatever God has called you to do and I want you in your everyday to have those holy moments where you understand that that your calling isn't um, your calling is right where you are all of us are ministers. That's what the Bible teaches, yeah? And being a full-time minister is not about a paycheck. It's about a mentality. And all of us this evening, we can be or we are full-time ministers. And what we have to do is we just have to recognize the fingerprint of God upon our lives as we live for him. And I believe as we do that, we can discover our fit and we can begin to see how we can be salt and light in a world that desperately needs the gospel. You and me, we've experienced peace with God. It's the most wonderful thing that anyone could ever possess. And if we can share that peace of God, that hope, or people can see that in our lives, then for me, that is a measure of success to see in the kingdom of God come in our lives. So be encouraged, you know, sometimes at the start of a new term, it can be exciting, but it can all, but almost sometimes it can be, well, what am I here for, Lord? What do you want me to do? I'll tell you what the Lord wants you to do. He wants you to do exactly what you're doing this week, but he wants you to be acutely aware of his presence and just to, in, just to enjoy him in the moment and just to see what God might do. This week, there might not be that big thing, but I reckon that if all of us had that heart and that mentality, I reckon in these next in this next month or so, all of us would have at least one story to share of how God used us in a moment because we're a follower of him and we had ears open to hear what he had to say, yeah? And that's really part of the heart of this, um, this series that we're, we're covering over these next four weeks in the month of September. We've called it Prepared for the Journey and we're looking at the life of Moses and uh, we're going to look at Moses' calling tonight and how God prepared him for what was coming next, and how God can prepare you and me for what's coming next in our lives. And uh, we're going to be looking at um, standing firm in the journey. We're going to be looking at guidance on the journey. 
and we're going to be looking at how God provides for us on our journey as well. So these four weeks, they all knit together, and they're all stories and instances from the book of Exodus from the, from the life of Moses. I don't know how you prepare to go away on a journey. I'm, um, I would class myself as someone who is a, a carrier bag preparer. That means if I was going on a two-week holiday to Spain, I'd be quite happy just to take a carrier bag with me, yeah? Because, like, I don't... What do you need? A couple of pairs of pants, some uh, armpit spray, some stuff to do my hair. But some of you, you're not like that. You like to get the suitcase out six months before. And you like to tell everyone in the household that you are preparing, that you are diligent in your preparation, and that people like me, who prepare with just a carrier bag are losers in life, basically. And, well, I don't know, love, sometimes you come quite close to insinuating I'm a loser. (laughs) If you want to get personal and start heckling the preacher, we can do this in public if you want. (laughs) But we prepare, because it's good to prepare. And actually, to be fair to my wife, she's right. She's absolutely right. And, um, yeah, a couple of times I called her bluff, like I was just saying, well, I'm just going to take a, you know, if you're not going to pack for me, love, I'm just going to take a carrier bag. I'm just gonna but in the end, I always, she's very kind, she puts the case out on the bed for me, says, honey, you just need to fill that with some of your things, and I do that. The Bible talks a lot about preparing. John 14, Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you, which is reassuring. I think there's a lot of things in this life at the moment that are quite uncertain, yeah? And, uh, these next couple of months, um, I think it's going to be, I think we need to be ready to respond to people's needs. We can't fix the world, but things that come in front of our faces, we might be able to help and encourage and bring, um, bring peace into people's situations. Um, so it's good to know that Jesus prepares a place for us. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 that Noah prepared an ark in 1 Peter 3. Peter writes to the church and he says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. Psalm 23, the psalmist says, God prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. So to be prepared and to be ready is not something that's unspiritual. Some of you people out there, you, you, some of you are just like to shoot from the hip, yeah? And you just like to be spontaneous all the time, all right? Don't try, and, don't try and say to other, us of us who like to prepare that we're unspiritual, yeah? We're all spiritual. Like, if you want to be kind of shoot from the hip and be all spontaneous, that can be spiritual. That's great, just to listen to God in the moment and do something. But also, it's good to prepare as well. And I believe that um, in Exodus 3, the text that we'll read this evening, I think what God is doing in this, this, in this scripture It's the burning bush experience. God is preparing Moses for what's coming next. It was a serious thing that Moses was being called to do. We'll see in the text that up to this time, for 40 years, he'd been in the backside of the desert looking after sheep. I mean, he must have been fed up at at the sight of sheep. That's all he did all day. He looked after sheep. And they weren't even his sheep. They were his father in laws sheep. That's what he did. But you see, God was preparing him. He was getting him ready. Because in this moment, God was calling Moses forward into the next season of life that he had for him. And uh, in Exodus 3 that we'll read in a moment, good to remind ourselves, for some of the older folk amongst us tonight, I'm 51. 
and I was lifting that speaker on the stand there earlier, and I was wondering how many more years I would be able to do this for. We will see. But Moses, Moses was on the set-out team when he was 80. In Exodus 3, at the burning bush, he was 80 years old. And at 80 years old, God would commission him and call him to lead a nation forward. Well, they, they reckon at least 2 million people. And he would lead them for 40 years in the, in the wilderness. Um, and uh, he would take them to the edge of the promised land. In fact, he would see it, but it would be Joshua who would possess it. So Exodus chapter 3, I'm just going to give you a few thoughts about God. I listened to a great podcast this week by a guy called Tim Keller. And he just made some great, he made some great notes about who God is and how he expresses himself in this passage. And then some things just to help us to kick on in this month of September um, together. Father, thank you for your precious word tonight. It is light and life to us. And Lord, as we read this passage now, that happened about three and a half thousand years ago. Lord, we're, we're reminded that you are the same yesterday, today and forever. That you're not a God who changes. Lord, thank you for your word to us this evening. I pray that you will speak to us through it. Amen. First 14 verses, Exodus chapter 3. So the context is, Moses is a murderer and a fugitive. He fled from his home of Egypt and now he is looking after sheep and uh, not really expecting much to happen, I'm sure. But God meets with him. And so the Bible says in Exodus chapter 3, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Notice there the Bible says that the angel of the Lord appeared. It's like God was showing himself in a, in a form of an angel. We'll come back to that in a moment. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And this, at this Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. The home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you, brought the when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. 
Moses said to God, suppose that I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Moses meets with God. Clearly in Moses' life, this was a significant moment. And there are some things that we can learn about this. But before we look at the way that Moses responds, let's just look at some aspects of of the essence of God and how he appears in this passage. First of all, we note that God chooses to appear in this passage as fire. God could have chosen to have appeared in, in lots of different ways, but God chose to appear as fire. And this reminds us in terms of the essence of God and what makes God to be who he is, we're reminded by the statement that the bush did not burn up, that God needs nothing else to sustain him. God needs nothing else to sustain him. When Moses saw this curious event of this bush burning, he was so curious, it was so unusual, the Bible says in verse 3 that he said, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. Because fire is normally dependent on fuel. If you have no fuel, you have no fire. But in this scenario that we see here that's outlined in Exodus chapter 3, it it shows us, it's a picture of an aspect of God that is true and that's exciting and it should should cause our our hearts and our minds to be excited that as as God, as as this fire was dependent on nothing, so God is dependent on nothing. Every other living organism... Every other thing that's created or made in the earth, it's begotten. It comes from something, okay? God has always been, and he will always be. It's a miracle. It's incredible. We can't explain it, but it's true. And uh, every, everything in the natural world has a cause, but God has no cause because God is God. God depends on nothing, but everything depends on him. So I say that to you because I want us to understand that this isn't a fairy tale. This isn't a nice story. Like This is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He describes himself as I am. That is the God who appears to Moses that day and Nothing needs to sustain God. God sustains himself. And that causes us, it should cause us really to, to be really humble before God. And also to recognize actually that in this life, it's not all about us and what we can do and how good we are and how we can knock it out the park. Yeah, God gives us gifts and abilities that we should use and we should steward steward well but at the end of the day God shows an element of his character that actually he needs nothing he needs no one he sustains himself so he needs nothing else to sustain him next thing that we 
notice about the character of God as he meets with Moses is that God chooses to come down to make himself known. And that is so much in the character of God. I mean, we're, we're reading here about something that happened three and a half thousand years ago. And actually, that, that element of the character of God, wanting to make himself known, that goes right back to the creation story. The Bible says that God created Adam and Eve, and the Bible says that God would walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening. There was relationship there. And as soon as that relationship was broken, what happened? What happened was that the plan of redemption was put into place. Like, depending on your theology or your, or your thoughts around this, either the plan was already in place or God put the plan into place. I can't fathom it or understand it, but I think the plan was already in place. And when we get to heaven, we can speak to God about that. But the point being that the heart of God is to redeem and to come close Bible says in, in Exodus 3.8, God says, so I have come down. So I have come down. We're moving quickly towards Christmas. In Wilkinson's, this week I prophesy Christmas cards will be on sale. Christmas trees will be on sale. That's what will happen. And we come to the most precious time when the church can present the gospel so clearly. And actually this Christmas, we want to really focus our energies on the Christmas season, making the most of Christmas because Christmas does it for us. Christmas is the gospel. John chapter 1, those verses that we read every year in our carol service at Lim, that the word became flesh and he made his dwelling among us. What is that again? That is, that is demonstrating to us again the, this characteristic of God that he wants to redeem. He wants to come close. You see it in Genesis. You see it in Exodus chapter 3. You see it in John chapter 1. You see it at the cross. Why does Jesus die on the cross? He dies on the cross so that we can come close because he wants to redeem us. And so the essence of God's character in Exodus chapter 3 is that story of redemption, him wanting to redeem his people. So we see that God needs nothing else to sustain him. We see that God comes close because he wants to make himself known. And we also see the kindness of God because he chooses or he sets the meeting up not to consume us or to consume Moses. What do I mean by that? The Bible says that... Um, no one can see God and live. That's what the Bible says. No one can see God and live. God said, Moses said to God, let me see you. God said, you can't see me. And it seems that God in his kindness and his mercy, he still wanted in the Old Testament to reveal himself and show himself before Jesus was born. And so there are these moments in the Old Testament where God shows himself, but he shows himself in a form that would not, obliterate or destroy the person wanting to see him like no one can see God and live in our fallen state we couldn't see God and live and that's the amazing thing about Jesus that he took on human flesh so that we could interact with him but in the old testament Jesus hadn't been born yeah so to talk about Jesus or the person of Jesus Christ before the year zero you can't do it what happened was Jesus didn't exist as Jesus he existed as the son of God that's who he was in, 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 um, in eternity, he was, called, he was the Word, 
or he was the son of God. But the amazing thing is that God in his kindness, there are these moments in the Old Testament where the son of God represents the presence of God so that it seems those interacting or those seeing um, God aren't aren't destroyed because they can't see God, but they can see a form of God. So in the text that we've read this evening, notice that it says that there, there was the angel of the Lord in the bush. So people say, Tim Keller says this, you know, that it was, was it the angel in, of, of the Lord in the bush or was God in the bush? And the answer is yes. They were all there in the bush, Yeah. And these, these Christophanies is what, what they're called. The reason I tell you this, I'll tell you why the reason I tell you it in a sec, yeah. These, these Christophanies, they, they, they happen like with Abraham in Genesis 16, Joshua in Joshua chapter 5, Gideon in Judges chapter 6. Some say the fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It was, the, it was a Christophany. It was a form of the Son of God appearing in uh, a way that was tangible and that could be seen. It's a wonderful thing. The reason I tell you this, it's a wonderful thing because actually we don't need that anymore. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing the angel of the Lord and to be in front of a bush that didn't burn up would be amazing. So amazing. But because Jesus has shown himself to us, the, the, the Son of God showed himself in those moments, but the Son of God has shown himself to us in Jesus. And now he's given us of his spirit. So we, we have something that is of similar worth to what Moses experienced. The presence of the Son of God, the angel of the Lord in the bush. So I say those things to you to encourage you this evening about the character of God. That he is self-sustaining, that he, he draws close to make himself known. And he chooses, or he sets meetings up not to consume us. So then what about us this evening preparing well? Oh man, I've been going for a while. Going to move quickly now. All right, 10 minutes. Give me 10 minutes, yeah? All right, 10 minutes. Preparing well. Three things that will help us in this next period. What I talked about was focusing on God, but now what about Moses? Because Moses is us in the story, yeah? First thing is we prepare well by serving where we are. Or you prepare well by serving where you are. The Bible says in verse 1 that Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side, or some versions say the backside of the desert. And he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. The amazing thing was that in those moments in Moses' life, I'm sure there were moments where he felt life was very mundane, that he was just doing the same thing. But he was doing it faithfully. He was doing it well. He was knocking it out of the park every day, but no one saw it. No one saw what he was doing. The great thing is that God saw what he was doing, and even in that shepherding of the flock, he was preparing him for what would come next. Because the thing is, Moses was so experienced at leading a flock of sheep or a herd of cattle or whatever they were around this desert space that actually this place in the backside of the desert, Horeb, the mountain of God, it was a place where again and again God's people would come back to. But this time he wouldn't be leading a load of sheep 
he would be leading two million people. Now, how many of you know that it's much lead, easier to lead a group of people when you've been there before? Yeah? If you're, if you, I've done tours around Jerusalem, yeah? Going to do one again next year. And I, I love it because I know where I'm going and I can take people there. The first time I did it, I didn't have a clue. And it was like awkward and people were getting lost and people were getting upset and people were hangry. Listen, I know every coffee shop in the square mile of the old city of Jerusalem. I know every watering hole where you can go to. I know kind of every dodgy corner where you need to watch your wallet. It's because I've been there before. And it's amazing that in the 40 years that Moses was faithful in looking after those sheep, that wasn't wasted time. And let me tell you today, whatever it is that you step into this week, never think it's wasted time. It's not wasted time. In every moment of every day, God is preparing us for what is next. And if he's not preparing you for something for this life, he's preparing you for eternity, yeah? God is preparing us. Our time is not wasted. And so what we need to do is we need to understand that in every moment of the day, we need to be faithful in what God has given us to do. If we are faithful and we serve well where we are, what we do is we prepare ourselves for what God is wanting to do next in our lives. Luke 16, Jesus says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Okay, so let's serve well where we are. We prepare well when we do that. Second thing, we see that we prepare well by enjoying holy moments. What is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And there was this moment where Moses meets with God, and in that moment, God speaks to him, and he tells him what he wants him to do. Now, quite often, sometimes, we don't know what, what God wants us to do, because we don't have that time where we sit, and we just listen to what it is that God wants to say to us. And in any kind of, kind of enjoying something, I love that, the way that, that the, the Westminster Catechism puts that. It uses the word enjoy, when it talks about God. I mean, I never used to, when, when I was growing up in church, you never used to talk about the word enjoy and God, yeah? But when you enjoy something, there needs to be a sense of interaction. So, when you, when you eat an ice cream, yeah? Like, so you hold the ice cream in front of you, or a tub of ice cream, as it is um, Phoebe, actually, you know, we were singing a song about addiction needs to break, yeah, earlier on. Uh, ben, and, ben and Jerry's... Um, uh, cookie dough ice cream is an issue in our house. An issue. I mean, two tubs in an evening, is that an issue? I think that, yeah, thank you for those nodding heads there, yeah. But in order to enjoy that ice cream in the moment, what needs to happen is there has to be an interaction. There has to be an interaction. You can look at a pot of ice cream all evening. You ain't going to enjoy it. You enjoy it when you see it. That's why the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see. But it takes time to taste. I went to a football game yesterday. Let me tell you, I was sanctified, but I was very interactive. I mean, very interactive. I was rejoicing at the end, you know. Um, I felt this evening I had to bring some extra rejoicing in order to make sure that I was rejoicing as much on the front row here as I was in row D yesterday at the footy. But there was interaction in any kind of friendship. I can stare across at Johnny and just go, yeah, you're my friend, you're my friend, you're my friend. But the moments of friendship that are precious is when we interact with each other or when we 
eat food together or when we share a, a message with, with each other. Those moments of interaction. And that's what God wants for us. He wants us. He wants you to enjoy those holy moments where you spend time with him, where you hear from him. Martin Luther said this. He said, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. And we need to understand that holy moments, enjoying God, taking off our shoes or the equivalent, we need to understand that we need to give ourselves to that. It's an important part of developing our relationship with Jesus. We need a space, we need a moment, and we need um, a manner, a way that we do it. And, uh, you know, I think... Even for me, as we start a new term, I'm thinking about the routine of my day. How can I ensure that there's that space and that time so that I enjoy God? That I enjoy God with a cup of coffee. I enjoy God and I have 20 minutes of just stopping and listening and just enjoying him, having that holy moment, maybe taking my shoes off and just recognizing that God is with me in that moment and he wants to speak to me and he wants me to enjoy him and he wants you to enjoy him as well. We become what we behold and uh, we need to understand that um, we, I think we need to be more inquisitive about God. The, the thing that changed the story for Moses was he saw the bush that didn't burn up and the Bible says that he, he said, um, I'm going I'm to go over and see. I'm going to go over and see. I think there needs to be a bit more of that in us, that we kind of go over and see what it is that God wants to do. And finally this evening, thank you for the 10 minutes. Prepare well by deciding today whatever happens. Whatever happens. What I mean by that is whatever happens. There was a promise that was given to Moses in verse 8 that Moses would see the land flowing with milk and honey. What a promise. And in the, in the holy moment, it can be great. You can say, well, Lord, yeah, I really believe you're going to do that because obviously you're speaking to me through a burning bush, through the angel of the Lord. Um, but it took 40 years for that to happen. It happens at the end of Exodus. Exodus chapter 3 is where we are now. 40 years later, in Exodus 34, the Bible says that the Lord showed him the whole land. So he saw this land, and there's all kinds of reasons why he didn't actually get to enter in. That's a sermon for another day. My point being this, is that in the moment, that moment then, I believe Moses decided, that is the promise of God for me, and whatever happens, whatever happens, I am going to pursue it, I'm going to be obedient and I'm going to walk this journey that God is calling me forward in. He called him forward. And listen, he calls you forward. He calls me forward. He had to say, I believe that Moses had to say in that moment whatever happened. Because there were some incredible challenges that Moses faced in those next 40 years. It was not a bed of roses. And if anyone tells you that following Jesus is a bed of roses, they're lying to you. It should be against the Trade Descriptions Act. It's not true. The truth is... That when we follow Jesus, the Bible says that he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. You can never say that God has left me and God has forsaken me. He will never do that. That is true. But it's not true to say that you won't have challenges. We will have challenges. There will be tough calls in life. There will be bereavements that come. There will be sickness that comes. There will be moments of celebration that come. There will be moments of plenty. 
There'll be moments where we don't have plenty. But we have decided that whatever happens, we're on this journey. We're following Jesus because Exodus 14, they're pursued by Egyptians. Exodus 16, the people are moaning. Exodus 17, they have their first fight with the Amalekites. Numbers 13, they don't enter the land because of the bad report of 10 spies. Numbers 14, the people rebel. Exodus 32, they create a golden calf and they begin to worship it. All kinds of nonsense going on. And I believe the reason why Moses was able to stay on track on this journey is because he prepared well. Because in Exodus chapter 3, when God spoke to him from that burning bush, he believed God in the moment and he said, God, I believe that you've called me. I'm not saying that everything's going to be a smooth ride, but I believe that you've called me forward. And whatever happens, whatever happens, I'm going to be faithful to you. Even if people around me are not faithful, I'm going to be faithful. Even if people around me doubt, I'm not going to doubt. Even if people around me disappoint me or worship other things, Lord, I am going to stay faithful. And I believe as we do that, as we have that whatever happens attitude, I believe that, that God responds to that. And he strengthens us and he helps us. And he is enough. Christ is enough for us. He is enough for us. And sometimes it will seem that he's not enough for you because life is disappointing and it's difficult. But in those moments, what you need to do is you need to say to yourself, Christ, you are enough for me. Say it. Don't just say it in your heart. Say it out loud. You say, Christ, Jesus, you are enough for me. Okay? It's not because, it's, it's, not because um, it's any more powerful when you say it, but sometimes you just need to hear it with your physical ears. Christ, Jesus, you are enough for me. You're enough for me. You're enough for me. You're enough for me in this moment on a lovely, warm evening in Lim when gas and electric prices are just about reasonable, but he will still be enough for us in a month's time when they've doubled, yeah? It brings his challenges. I'm not green to it. I understand that. I do, I understand that. And it's going to be difficult. This winter will have its challenges. But listen, he is enough. He is enough for us. And we need to understand that um, God calls us forward and uh, our calling and this journey that he's called us forward on, it's not dependent on... Kind of, kind of what happens around us. It's dependent on who he is, and he is consistent, and he is good, and he is kind, and he is gracious. And the Bible says he's prepared a place for us. We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarrington.com.